what is going on guys welcome back to episode six of the main stand podcast i'm mitchell we got josh we got pat and we're going to be tucking right into some footy talk over the last week if you haven't done it yet give us a like subscribe share it with a friend who loves soccer or who doesn't love soccer we'd really appreciate you joining us for about an hour every friday not a very eventful week in terms of premier league games and the soda slash carabao cup um some interesting things happen around the world but we'll start with some review of this weekend's premier league fixtures josh take it away yes sir so like mitch said it was kind of a dead weekend not too much going on but I'm going to start off actually with Liverpool Crystal Palace this weekend. Liverpool got a nice, tidy 3-0 victory over the Eagles at Anfield. Uh, pretty good game. It was a lot tougher than the scoreline shows. Uh, Sadio Mane getting the first goal. Um, and then in the second half, uh, Sala tucked one nicely away. And Naby Keita finished the game off with just a rocket off the corner. Um, yeah, nice, tidy 3-0 clean sheet. Liverpool starting the season off really well, keeping the pace with everyone else. Um, and I think everyone else in the league starting to realize that with Virgil van Dijk back in the team, uh, you know, this Liverpool side isn't one to be messed with. Also, Ibu Kanate got his debut. So that's a, that's a good one to note. Uh, started off a little bit nervy, but worked his way uh, well into the game, I thought. I like him because he posts Dragon Ball Z gifs every time he gets to play. It's very true. <laughs> it's really, really funny. So. He looked really strong. Um, yeah. All things considered, like I, I think he fit right into the side. Um, really, really quick, really physical, which I love to see him establish so quickly. Um, yeah, that that Nabby goal was uh, kind of foot and mouth for us where we were talking so much shit last week. Um, but it was such a clean hit. Um, you know, I think, I think Crystal Palace are a really good side. They, they fought tooth and nail. Um, but Liverpool for a lot of the first half maintained, uh, possession looked really, really good on the ball. Um, and it was a, it was a clean game. Yeah. And it was a mixed defense too. And Simikas started at left back and I thought was tremendous again, his, his delivery from corners and just you know, balls on the wing is tremendous. He's he's quick. He, I feel like he's a, a little bit quicker than Robbo in terms of like just kind of all over the place. But I think that also comes with a little bit of inexperience too. Um, but uh, he's he's a great great backup to Robertson um, to mm-hmm. be able to to give him a rest. Um, and maybe one of those mid table team games is is big, especially where we have three and what nine days yep we had the soda cup over the the midweek or yesterday um so yeah i i think all in all three nil over palace was a good result uh good three points and another clean sheet for the boys i also want to just uh chime in on the kaita thing my dad texted me in the middle of the game fucking kaita has he even had a touch huge drop off from tiago 30 seconds later, he bangs on and I just text my dad, ha, 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 ha. And he said, LOL, must have heard me. <laughs> Kev's a legend. 
We love to see that. Um, talking uh, three nil results. If you don't have, if I don't have anything else to say about the Liverpool game, I think that's pretty done and dusted. Chelsea blank Tottenham three nil. I think we all thought this was going to be a little bit closer than it actually was. Um, but with Chelsea's three nil win over Tottenham, Liverpool and Chelsea have the exact same results in the Premier League through the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? What has that ever happened? Like, when was the last time this happened? It's got to, it has to have happened at some point, but the exact same goal differential points, we'll get, uh, everything. We'll stats man on it, and we'll come back to you later. I'll talk to the people in the studio. We'll yeah. Get the pull up for you by yeah. uh, not yeah, a logistics yeah. company. Yeah, by, by the break here. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the, the Chelsea Tottenham one's interesting because it's really a tale of two halves. Um, Tottenham did not look like they were going to concede three in the second half. Uh, they, no, they didn't. They certainly looked like better in the first half. Uh, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Thomas Tuchel. Uh, whatever he said in the locker room at halftime definitely got Chelsea playing much, much better. Uh Marcus Alonso was my man of the match. He was absolutely everywhere. He dominated that Chelsea left side. Uh, just mm-hmm. an absolutely lung-busting performance from left wing back. He was everywhere. Uh, yeah, can't, cannot speak highly enough of uh, his performance. Uh, I thought Kovacic was really, really tidy in midfield for Chelsea too. Uh, I, was, I was just impressed all around with uh, their organization after they came out in the second half. Uh, they looked like a really, really strong side. Um, Lukaku just just giving defenses problems off. He was a little bit more selfish. I think he probably could have had a goal or two in that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was funny also. Uh, just one thing I wanted to, to note: the the commentator said something about Kai Havertz when he was subbed off, kind of talking about how he wasn't super impactful. I uh, I, I don't really agree with that. I thought he was making a lot of really really dangerous runs in behind almost the entire game. He, you know, he didn't score or anything, but I think. He, he makes a lot of really smart runs and he causes a lot of problems and he really, he dives into that space and he opens up the channels for like Lukaku to run into or to let a midfielder burst through or he pulls a defender out of place for like Alonzo to make those runs. So I thought Havertz had a good game too. I just wanted to, to note that. I agree with that actually. And that's kind of a thing I've argued about Bobby for a long time. I was uh, just going to say the same damn thing. Yeah, it's the positional awareness and just like soccer IQ to be in the right spot and be in the right position for people to, to cut in and make those runs. Uh, I'll let Mitch, you know, make his point and I have, I'll come back to something as well. No, and I, I think all Liverpool fans can attest to how important that is. You know, being able to open up the top of the box to allow somebody else to cut in or a midfielder run it, to run in, it just, it creates chaos and I think it's so invaluable to a side that, like Chelsea, who play kind of similarly to Liverpool, maybe a little bit more methodic about it, a little bit slower. But I think Kai Havertz is a great piece to that side, whereas, you know, he's, what is this, his second full season yep. with Chelsea? You know, like, was he impactful necessarily to, to the game this past weekend? Not really, but those dangerous runs create the chances for Lukaku, for for Alonso, for that side to push up and put pressure on a defensive line. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I think I agree with Pat here on you know if a commentator's not going to really recognize that, 
But I mean, we see it with Bobby. He doesn't get the credit where credits do in the role that he plays for that side. Yeah. And just my final thought on this is that, you know, when you're playing a side like Chelsea, that when, when Chelsea goes one nil up, especially in the second half, the game's pretty much done and dusted. That's just the way uh, Tuchel plays. And that's the way this Chelsea team's really set up. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm 90% sure Delhi was the one that got out jumped uh, on the first goal to Thiago Silva. He didn't even the, jump. Yeah. It's just shameful marking. And uh, like I said, when you're in a situation like that, like you have a first uh, half that's really positive and bright, and then you come out and you give up a goal like that in the first four minutes. And then, you know, the second two goals are probably unlucky. Obviously, Conte's goal is a deflection. Um, and the third goal came pretty late on. Um, but that's just kind of shameful defending from an experienced player in Delhi. Mm-hmm. I okay. guess we'll go on to uh, the, the next match, which was Man City-Southampton. Kind of a surprise. And one that's, uh, in my honest opinion, karma for some stick talk that's been going on about Southampton on this podcast. They're still getting relegated, dude. I don't care that they drew nil-nil. They're getting relegated. Uh, they defended really deep. They played a pretty good game, in all honesty. Um, I think City were super, super wasteful in that 90 minutes. Um, I think Raheem Sterling should stop starting at left wing. And I think that City not signing a striker is going to – we're going to constantly be seeing results like this where we just fail to break down a team that, that sits in deep and we don't have somebody there to just, like, score a goal. Uh, I think a little – unlucky with that offsides decision with Foden being offsides by like half of, of a, a literal human foot, not the unit of measurement. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Thoughts on Kyle I, Walker. That was not a red card. He was going down before Walker even made contact with him. Penalty. Nope. He was, he was going down before Walker even made contact. I think that was the right decision. Okay. I, I don't disagree. Uh, it's kind of a, a weird one. Um, it's my only one where we don't have a lot to talk about this week. Pat, and you know, you say you need a striker. Who, who is that guy for you? Because if you don't get – I don't think you'll get Harry Kane in the winter window. I don't think we're going to go back in for Kane ever again. I think That's it was what I'm saying. It's like after a year, he's a, he's a year older. Uh, it just seems less likely that he'd go to Man City. So who are you going after in the summer to kind of fix that hole or January? I don't think we make a January signing. January signings are pretty unlikely to happen. Uh, I think the last January signing City made was Laporte. Um, and that was just like in the middle of a center back injury crisis. And he, we were after him the summer prior, didn't land him, scooped him in the winter. Um, I, My personal belief is we're probably going to be one of the clubs that are really, really in for Holland this summer. Um and I, th- I think that's he's probably going to end up being the number one target. Uh, Vlasic, is that how you pronounce his name? The big, Fiorentina. Yeah, the big fucker from uh, this podcast, the second favorite club. Uh, he's been what someone that's that kind of Fiorentina? like his, his name has been floated around the city sphere. Um, I would love to see us give Liam Delap a shot, the the kid from the the EDS team. Mm-hmm. It seems unlikely just because he's pretty young, pretty inexperienced, and our methodology with talented youngsters is give them a little bit and then they can kind of break in naturally, you know, see Foden, for example, I think if Delap is going to break into the first team, he's probably going to follow that uh, blueprint for 
breaking the first team. So I don't know. I think where it's really just going to be fair and Torres or bust this summer and then go all in for Holland in the summer. And if we don't get Holland, I think it's going to be, you know, a lot of the same city seem to kind of set their focuses on one or two guys. And if they don't get them, they don't really, they don't panic by They're just like, yeah, we'll work with what we've got. I think you saw that. And we wanted Grealish. We wanted Kane. We got one. We didn't get the other. I don't think one was indicative of the other, but I think maybe uh, if we had gone for Kane first, maybe he would be here and Grealish wouldn't be. But at the end of the day, I just don't think Levy ever wanted to sell. So do you think getting rid of Aguero? um, I know that was kind of Aguero's wish to go to Barcelona. Do you agree with that? Looking back in hindsight, I didn't want Aguero to leave ever. So no, Uh, but the the fitness thing has still been a problem in Barcelona. So at at the end of the day, he wouldn't be available right now to play anyway. He he's injured again. So Yep. I, and I agree with the Holland take as well. He just, I feel like he fits the the personality of Man City and he's going to want that high wage bill. Uh, Mino Rayola will want that as well, his agent. So there's a see, handful that's the of reason, clubs. That's the reason I see Holland not coming to City mm-hmm. in all honesty. I mean, we could have a whole other episode about this, but City actually have one of like the strictest wage structures in the league. So I actually think it that's going to be one of the reasons why if we don't land Holland, it's going to be because we're not willing to pay him those kind of wages. I mean, we'll certainly pay him more than the average Joe, but like we, we like very rarely will break our wage structure for a player. So I'm interested to see ultimately where Holland ends up this summer on a more unrelated note, but hopefully because we need a goddamn goal scorer. I have a workaround for you. You ready? Yeah, sure. Hit me. So this is what you do. You buy a plane ticket and you fly out to the middle East with a shovel and you just start digging for oil and you say, Hey city, I got Erling Erling Holland's first week of wages. If this helps in any way, sign him. I got you. That's that's, that's the only way. And more laughing. oil. I don't see no. Well, now Holland's not going to go to Chelsea now. Cause Lukaku, you can see how he's fit right in. There's a limited amount of teams he's going to go to. Bayern's obviously one. If Lewandowski does leave, uh, and then Madrid or Barcelona, I guess as well. There's only a handful of clubs he's going to, so you kind of have to put Man City in because Man City could be one of the teams that uh, you know would obviously be an attraction to him as a player. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I think we'll be one of them. I just think ultimately, like it's going to be dealing with Raiola and then the wages thing too. But yeah, he's a fucking city. Certainly sweet. have city certainly have a striker issue and. Not addressing it over the summer. Uh, you know, I thought it wasn't going to be this big of a problem, but it, it's feeling like it's going to be a lot of the same from last season. And the uh, the false nine worked last season. I don't know if it will continue to work or will choose that solution again, given mm-hmm. the, the current personnel. Uh, yeah. How much time? How much time do you give Torres? I think he needs to get a run of games. I, I don't think any striker... It's, I think it's rare for a st- somebody playing striker to just like come out super hot unless they're like an Absolutely. absolute freak of nature. Like mm. example, Holland, guys like that. Uh, I think a, a player needs to get a run of games under their feet, especially a striker in a system like Guardiola's. So I think City should give him a little bit of time. I think he'll get time because he's our only option. And Jesus seems to be playing a lot better on the wing. So it really feels like Ferra Torres' time. And then 
play Raheem Sterling through the middle and I get angry every time he stops a counterattack at the halfway line. <laughs> That's fair. And, you know, we're just riffing here kind of today because there, there isn't a whole lot to really talk about. And, you know, Pat, you're talking about breaking the wage structure and cities kind of a little bit more tight. And you see teams like Man United and Chelsea's that do pay the huge wages. Um, so it's always interesting, these situations where you have one player who could really break the entire structure of wages at a club. Uh, and I kind of just we haven't really touched on this lately. And I want to get Mitch's opinion on this real quick. Uh, going back to Liverpool, do you break the wage structure for Mo Solomich? And Pat, you can weigh on on this too. Fuck yeah, you do. That's what I, I say. I, I think it's a player no-brainer. Like Salah, you make him your highest paid player, absolutely. I, I think it's an absolute no-brainer, um, especially where he's kind of just hitting his prime over the last you know, two seasons, three seasons. He's still producing, still getting better. He's a year younger than, than Mane and clearly more consistent. I think Liverpool fans have going been, been going back and forth between, you know, who do you give up? Who do you give up? And I think, I mean, obviously you can't make the judgment after the first four weeks of a season, but Mane has kind of been bottling it this year. You know, you he make- had, you had, he has not looked himself. He's been well off target. You know, he, he's not finding his form yet. And uh, I don't know. I, I think Mo Salah is just the, the, the player you, you continue putting your money toward. Mm. But I did have an interesting thought. When Pat started bringing up, like, you know, how unlikely it is for City to make a winter signing, it seems like Liverpool make their big decisions come wintertime. You know, we, we got the Virgil move. Um, on christmas day right was it christmas day day before christmas eve um is that because our ownership is so focused on baseball during the summer is it like is that why i'm seeing these bigger moves or these key moves happen in the winter time for liverpool versus the summertime because winter time they don't have to do anything Mm. you know baseball you can't play baseball I'm trying so, to think of the winter signings we've had recently. Let me pull this up. Taki Minamino is one. You know, we've had a lot, um, to your point, Mitch, I think we've had a lot late in the summer window that come out of nowhere. Like the Fabinho's, uh, Jota yes. was out of nowhere late in the window. Tiago was late in the window. Uh, Kaita might count as a – I don't know when Kaita happened because he was a year in advance. That one might have been a winter one. I think it was a winter one, and then we saw him the f- not the that summer, but the following summer. I'm not sure, 100. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Liverpool goes for anyone big in the winter. I think they'll probably wait until summer because the way the team's performing, there we have no reason to ask for money right now. Uh, and as you heard the fans saying, you know the Reds have got no money, but we'll, we'll still win the league. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I agree with the most all thing. I think Liverpool should break the bank for him. I know it's hard when you have players like Van Dyke on 250, uh, 250,000 a week. And your most all is probably going to be asking the 350 to 400 range. I know that that Spanish tabloid had 500, but I think that was just a load of rubbish. Uh, I would give most all a blank check. We've saw what the side is like without Virgil Van Dyke. We've never really saw what it's like without Mo Salah. 
Uh, and that's a little scary, especially when AFCON comes this winter and we do have to play without him for a period. Uh, but I mean, he's just brilliant. He's if he's not the best player in the Premier League, he's in the top three. I think that's healthy. I think De Bruyne is still the best player in the league, but I think Salah's. You make you make a very very convincing case for Salah to be the second best player in the league. Yeah, personally, maybe there's some bias in that. A little bit, but I think I think overall, you look what De Bruyne does anchoring down the midfield chances are consistently going through him you know i i think i think overall de bruyne probably does more for the entire side mm-hmm. that city puts out than sala does but sala as a forward the one that's scoring the goals on a consistent basis breaking down defenders on the wing i think i think it's a very clear second yeah, I would take either or. I think either argument, uh, you know, works perfectly. They're both just world class players. Um, did you find anything, Mitch, about the winter uh, window? I was, I was on. I'm on transfer market, and it, they don't have it divvied up for gotcha. like winter summer. Uh, it's still a you know that's a it's a good conversation because uh you know what right when Pat brought up the wage structure thing it's it's always an interesting talk about what clubs can afford what players because it's not mm-hmm. just about your the transfer fee it is about the salary and that oh here matter. we are here we are here we are I got I got the stuff um so seventeen eighteen we got Verge. Uh, that was the departure window for Coutinho, oh. Sturridge, uh, Markovic, Marco Grujic. Yo, Laser, Laser, John Markovic. Flanagan, John Flanagan. Some of those are loans, though. Um, 1920, we bring, it, bring in Taki. Nat Phillips ended his loan. Nico Williams ended his loan. Um. 1819 19 wasn't really big. That was more Solanke going out to Bournemouth. <laughs> the uh, Nathaniel Highway Klein robbery out to Bournemouth. Dom Solanke going to Bournemouth. Highway robbery. <laughs> Almost twenty million dollars. Um. Yeah, I, I. I don't know. I, I think it's a toss up. I mean, 16, 17, Adam Bogdan. A lot of it just depends on opportunity, too. Like it it, it really, really is. And I. Van Dyke was going to Liverpool uh, or Man City or Chelsea. I know there was like those three clubs involved. I don't know who the final two were if Man City was the other one. I'm pretty sure it was us and. Uh... And Chelsea were in form along yeah, with you. Yeah, I think those were. Yeah, so, and he was going in the winter, so it was more about just, like, the player was available. He's leaving in the winter. You have to make a move now or he's going. So, it's just about really who's available in the winter if, if there is a player that fits us. And you know Klopp's super uh, picky when it comes to what players he brings into that dressing room. Um, but with that, that was a good little, uh, you know, riff on transfers. Uh, we'll get back into the, the review stuff here. Man United had it, had the double uh, against West Ham, won the first one, two, one, a little bit controversial. Um, I thought West Ham were 
very unlucky to not come away with a point. Uh, Lingard scores that late goal, uh, which is kind of unfortunate to score against, you know, the club he did so well for last year to kind of have to break their hearts a little bit. Um, Any thoughts on that one, guys? I didn't get a chance to watch this one, so I'll let Pat go. I I think that the De Gea save was a lot of ball don't lie because I don't really think that was a penalty. Mm. What do you think of David Moy's decision to bring a sub Terrible, 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 terrible decision. I Just, feel like that stuff never, ever works, bringing a, a sub No, let the guys that are on the pitch take the penalty. Like, did you learn nothing from Gareth Southgate's terrible Euro decisions? I mean, yeah, he's just one of those classic English managers. They never learn. (laughs) That just seemed like a, it was, he was destined to miss that penalty. Like the minute he stepped up, there was no way. It was a really, really bad penalty too. Really easy height for De Gea to save, like in the middle of the net. Like just let one of the guys that are out there and warmed up and like in the game, take the penalty. Mm -hmm. And Ronaldo scores another goal as well. Uh, do we think he's going to be in for the golden boot? Absolutely. It's Ronaldo. Yeah, I think so too. It's uh, it's not really somebody you leave off of that list. Yeah, no, you um, never have a golden boot discussion about the league that Ronaldo's in and then not say Ronaldo could win the golden boot. That's just, I don't like the guy, but that's just fucking crazy talk. Uh, unrelated, but did you see that he got clocked at the fastest pace in Premier League history? I like boy. He, he, I think I, I forget the number. I, I, it was like 25 kilometers an hour. Like the dude was hoofing it at 36 years old. Speedy motherfucker. But, uh, West Ham did get their revenge today, actually. One nil victory in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Lanzini scored early, I think, in the ninth minute. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sorry, man, United, you're out. Bye bye. But, it's the energy drink trophy. Wait. It's only, only there for Man City to win anyway. I bundled that. It was 34.2 kilometers an hour. The only teammate marginally quicker during the win was Juan Basak. Phil Jones. 30, 30 point, 34.59. Fuck Juan Basaka, man. I saw that video going around to him fucking flicking the ball up this weekend. People are saying, can Trent do this? Uh, I hate that argument so much. We, we could have a, we could have an hour argument on this podcast. We, you bring your friend on, we'll have an hour argument. Yeah, let's get Cam on. Hard. I want to see Cam and Josh go toe-to-toe. Cam, I would I defend Alex. Cam, we know you're listening to this episode. Life. We need you on here to yell at Josh about Wanda Saka and Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't uh, wait. Next in the review, Brighton getting a good three points against Leicester. Huge. I love Graham Potter. I love his tricky performing to your XG seagulls. Fuck yeah. I love Danny Welbeck with the winner as well. It's nice to see him having a little bit of a career resurgence at Brighton. I like that. That is really nice. Would guys get like they fall out of favor and they get injured and they kind of go through those like tumultuous career periods. It is really cool to see them kind of pick it back up somewhere. Yep. Uh, that's a, it's a huge three points for Brighton, especially against a big side like Lester. Uh, next one, Villa 
3-0 over Everton. Everton started the year off pretty good, but they just got absolutely violated in this match. Good. Yeah, I, I, good, 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 good. I, I don't like seeing Rafa lose just because it's Rafa. But he's a blue now, so good. And any time Lucas Barcelona reject Dina scores an own goal, I'm in for it. Um, know one... what it is about? Sorry about Everton because yeah. they've done no wrong to me. I just don't like them. I mean, same. They're just wankers. They're just fucking the wrong color that's all i know they're the right color but continue um do we have any other sorry i was gonna switch gears because i had a another game that i wanted to mention but do we have anything else to say about everton taking a big poop this weekend no i'm chilling no villa looked good that was all i had fucking brentford two nil over wolves with a red card where have they been for the last three quarters of a century? Tony played well in this one. Tony's had a little bit of a slow start, but I thought he looked really sharp. They have been on fire. And, like, I know we'll, we're not going to talk about the EFL, uh, EFL Cup, but they, they beat Oldham 7-0 yesterday. <laughs> These guys are firing on all cylinders, and it's really good to see up the bees. You know yeah, they are, but you know it is fair to say have they really had a big test yet? They they did play Arsenal. We'll uh, find out this weekend. Yeah, we will. It'll be a it'll be a cracking match too. I I'm honestly I'm not scared of Brentford, but this is one of those games that Liverpool will drop a fucking point to you you just it's it's been how it's been for the last few years you know they get lax it's their final game in um i mean their, their third game in six seven eight days i don't know how many um i get we've gotten to rest a lot of our starters so we should be putting a full 11 out but i don't know like, I feel like it's another one of those games we might put one of those mixed lineups in, especially with how strong Kanate has been getting a string of games. Costas has been very strong as well. So I'll, I'd be curious to see, you know, what side we put out against Brentford. And if we put out a full side, I don't think it's as big of an issue. But, you know, it is one of those games where you can get get weird with it and change some things up just to just to rest somebody or. Um, see somebody else play and get them some minutes. So, yeah, I'll give my two cents on this when we go through the yeah. rundown here yeah, for yeah, this yeah. weekend. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll kind of switch gears here and, you know, move countries a little bit. One of the biggest storylines, I think, uh, so far in the Spanish top flight is Barcelona and kind of their lack of success. Right now, they sit in eighth place uh, in the Liga only on eight points. They do have a couple games in hand because uh, a couple matches they, they had got postponed, but Ronald Coleman is not looking too hot. Pat, why don't you take it away and give us your thoughts? Um, so 
I don't even know where to start. Um, Komen is a bad coach, actually. That's where we can start. Komen claimed he was the savior of Barcelona when he came in. He was there. He, you know, he, he like rescued the club. And now he's like fielding dog shit lineups in the Champions League and getting the shit kicked out of him by Bayern and telling the press, uh, you know, this is all we could do. And then they're dropping points left, right, and center in La Liga. Memphis Depay is having to bail the club out of stuff. And I mean, no disrespect to Memphis. I think Memphis is a good player. But like when you go from four or five years ago winning a treble with Messi, Suarez, Neymar, Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, all of these players that are like regarded as like the best of our generation, the best of all time, even like the fall from grace has just been, it has been something to, to see. And I honestly don't know. Actually, I, I do know that it's going to get a lot worse for Barca before even starts to get better. Um, I don't know how to fix them. I think they're genuinely a club in turmoil right now. And I don't see them reaching the heights that they, they reached with Messi. Uh, it, it feels a lot like the end of the Ronaldinho era there um, pre pep where like, yeah, they're finishing third where like, you wouldn't think that that's really a failure, but like, they're like 15 points off the summit of La Liga. They're not winning anything. It's just a bunch of aging superstars that aren't really there to like do anything. It really feels like uh, like a classic case of history repeating itself with Barca right now. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more with that. And you had a good point, Pat, in the last episode that I think I said, you know, a lot of Barcelona's fans, when Messi left, they're like, you know, Barcelona's bigger than Messi. When in reality, I'm not they sure if that's absolutely true. or not. Yeah, I, th- it's hard to even put it into context. You know how much Messi means to that club, and and leaving just takes such a huge part away from them. And ultimately, you know, we talked about transfers already this episode a lot. It's shameless, um, half baked, silly, stupid transfers over time that are the reason this club is in the financial and um, I'm not sure how else to put it. It's, it's why they're in the, the problems they're in right now. It, it's just a shambles all over the club, not just on the field, but you know, in the back room, in the business department as well. It's like, it's those moves where they just spend buco dollars on players that don't deserve it. Players that have been, good or shown brilliance for a few months um the Dembele's all those different players they've signed over the past few years um and I honestly have no remorse for the club or the fans I think they've lived on a perch for long enough and now they're seeing the downfall of all the stupid decisions they made you know you mentioned it everybody did think that you know Barcelona is Barcelona and they are Barcelona without Messi and I think that is true for 
the front office. You know what I mean? They, they thought that as well, but clearly they're getting that culture shock at this point. It's like, okay, uh, full re- rebuild time, you know, like it's just, there's no consistency anywhere. There's no direction. There's no, there's no like anchor. There's no anchor. They're just free floating right now. And it's, it sucks to see because it's such a prolific club. But I, I think they will eventually turn it around because that's what happens. That's what happens in soccer. They have, they do still have weapons. It's just, how do we use them? Because our big, our biggest one just left after how many years? 20? Whole career. A whole so, goddamn career. It's it's tough. And, and I think that's really the only way you can put it is it's just it's that time when the club needs to reshift focus and they never prepared for it. Yeah, I, I, I just think that it feels like a club that didn't really ever think about life after. Never. Messi, ever. And I think Patriots fans kind of can feel the same way. Like, I grew up Tom Brady, Tom Brady, since I was five years old, up until two years ago, you know, two decades of my life. I have consistency. I have championships. I have success on and off the field and you don't ever think it's going to end you get so attached and i think it's elevated in the case of messi you know you you have so many more eyes on you you do you do so much more for your club your country and it's it's on a wider scale so if you don't think okay we're not going to have him forever let's prepare for that if you don't think that, that's that's the minute you fall off the cliff and you have to start from square one. Yeah. Because you have nothing to fall back on at this point. And I, and I don't we're think seeing it. Yeah, I don't I just don't think Barca ever actually thought about life after Messi. Ever. They I just it just feels I don't like think anybody never did. thought about. I don't think anybody did. Like growing up when when we were getting into soccer, when we were learning the game. Messi was still that name, you know, and he still is that name for kids today. And like, I, it's just, it's just really, really hard to watch because you want a club like Barcelona to be on top. It's just synonymous with the game of soccer. And I'm curious to see how long it'll take for them to, to figure their shit out. It's going to take honestly. a long time because, you it know, is. the Memphis thing, I love Memphis too. I think Memphis is a baller, but it's like putting scotch tape on the Titanic. Uh, it's not going to fix their major holes or problems. Um, yep. And what major players going to Barcelona? You know, Mbappe is the big one that's going to be on the market this summer. He's going to Madrid 100%. Mm-hmm. What big player is really eyeing Barcelona as like their next move? I've seen um, Raheem Sterling loan deal talk. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to fix the situation. Absolutely not. But that's what I, that's what I, that's like way, the level it feels like Barca have hit. Like signing good players that are want away from top clubs because they are falling out of grace or they are falling out of form and they're not 
the players that they once were. Sterling between like 2017 and 2019 was almost unplayable. He was winning city points left, right, and center. He was scoring goals. He's the third highest scoring player under Pep. Now, there's not a single City fan that is thrilled to see Sterling in the starting 11. Most of the time, we're angry. And, and that just feels like the, the quality of player, the level of player that Barcelona are signing now is like want away former. And it's not even permanent. It's not even permanent. It's loan deal. Yeah. It, it, it it's a loan like deal. Barca have sunk to a pretty a low level for their standards, I will say, because I mean, any other club in this situation that's like, oh, we can only sign Sterling on a loan deal. Like you're like, that's, that seems pretty good to me, but like a, a club at the level of Barcelona, that's been at the top for as long as they have, like this really feels like a fall from grace for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, you can tell it's getting bad with Komen too. Cause I was tell, talking to Mitch before the <laughs> podcast even started. Barcelona had him read a sheet of paper for his press conference today, not take any questions after and just walk out of the room. Woof. So I think the days are numbered already. Yeah, I could see him getting sacked. I mean, That's what happens I, when you have two ex-Everton managers heading La Liga. It's just, I mean, full rebuild time at this point, right? Yeah. It's, it's got to be something. That, that's the hard part, though. It's, it's the finances, and finances are so hard to come back from in soccer. It's, they have to sell people. That's the thing I have a hard time seeing them really get over, is that they, they don't, don't have, have money to, to buy. Sell. They don't have anybody to sell. Pedri. True. But, I mean, it's... The, the, they'll I th- be, I think they they're under be the, fine eventually def- because La Liga stretches rules for them. Is it... El- is it elevated right now because they're under so much of a microscope? Is that is there that added pressure of immediate success after Messi that's causing it to implode more than it needs to be? I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't really think that there's added pressure to succeed after Messi because I think that like the general public didn't expect them to. Like I feel like they're like punching above their weight class thinking that anybody thought they were going to do like be successful after losing arguably. And in my opinion, the greatest player of all time, like, I don't know. I I feel like they, I feel like there was no pressure for them to succeed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out this fucked up situation. You know, I just think they're a poorly run club and they did not prepare for the future. I think that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Staying in Spain. uh, The Liga table is pretty interesting right now. I think, did we all have Atletico winning? Yeah. 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 So I think there are two points back Real Madrid and Real Madrid's one. Their their defense has kind of come together in the past couple games since that three, three draw against, uh, Levante, they've been pretty clean. Uh, they had a big 6-1 win today over Mallorca. Yep. Um, they look pretty good. And I, I think Real is just, just going to get better now that they have that little bit of confidence. Um, having somebody like Camavinga come into the side, um, get consistent minutes, and uh, the, the more minutes he plays, the better he's going to get. I think it's going to be a, a – two-team race all things considered um but i still have atletico um you know 
edging out Madrid come the end mm. of the season. Yeah, mm-hmm. Atletico with a big comeback win uh, against Getaf, uh this weekend too. Suarez with the winning yes, goal. Sir. He's so good, man. He's so good. Mm-hmm. I think I saw – I fucking hate that I'm going to bring up this, but I saw a uh, an Instagram meme the other day, and it talked about, like, how people don't realize, like, how blessed of a generation we live in for the number nines that we have gotten to witness. Like, Suarez – we have seen peak Suarez, peak Benzema, peak Aguero, peak Lewandowski, peak Cavani – Peaky Ibrahimovic, like we have seen some of the best number nines to ever step onto a football pitch. And it's just like so crazy to think about. Like we saw guys like Forland playing too, like at least the tail end of him. We got David Villa. Like we got so many good forwards in our generation. No comment. You, you, you can't really say much after that. You nailed it. Good job. I just think it's, it's really cool. There's so many good forwards we've seen play. We've, I just think we're at kind of a really good place in the game of soccer. Fernando Torres. Yeah. yeah. Him too. I, Drogba. So many good forwards, dude. But I just, we are, we are kind of living in a really great place in terms of sports. And I think it's just going to get better because we, we keep the technology keeps getting better. The, the age in which people are starting and having access to better forms of soccer, you know, like when we were younger, it was very difficult to, to watch soccer games. You know, you get your one big game that's televised on the SPN every three months, whatever it may be, because it just wasn't, it wasn't at the place it is now with more eyes on it, more people getting into it and starting younger and developing that love for the game. Younger is just going to get better. Mm-hmm. everywhere you look super tight big fan of it personally mm-hmm. so tight <laughs> the tightest um uh to wrap things up with the review um i was wrong norwich are getting relegated that is all yes they are yeah they've been really bad yeah they're dog shit too bad ozen kabak couldn't come in and save them they, they're like desperation mode. Like, I don't know. The Premier League should like step in and just like switch them with a championship team. Just, just let whoever's in first come up. <laughs> it's your turn now, boys. Get, get, get in there. These get, They're done. They're done here. You guys could just start the season where these guys left off. <laughs> Man, they looked bad against like a very very rotated liverpool team yesterday it was not pretty yeah there's three kids under eight or 18 and under in the side and they won a penalty and couldn't even get a goal they're stinky 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 pu um so you guys want to talk about this weekend we got some fun some Big fun ones. on the docket this weekend well, how about you kick us off with Chelsea City? That's I don't good. want to because I have to talk about how City's going to lose. Yeah, I have Chelsea in this one too. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying 2-0 to Chelsea. 2-0? Yeah. City are going to hold the ball, obviously, so like Chelsea are going to have to hit us on the break, so I don't think it's going to be like a drubbing, but I think it's going to be a, a pretty convincing 2-0. I don't see us scoring, and 
I certainly don't see us keeping Chelsea out. Uh, Laporte and Stones both injured, so it's going to be Diaz and Ake at the back. And, you know, I like Ake. He's a nice guy and all, but he's not a particularly great center back, especially when he's faced with world-class opposition like Lukaku. I think Havertz is going to have a field day running in behind. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot for City to win this game and with our struggles in front of goal too. I just don't see anything else other than a a Chelsea Mm -hmm. win. And I feel like Chelsea do such a good job of absorbing pressure that they're just able to to counter and get that, you know, positioning. They've got our number, dude. Find the holes. They so they have, I, say have City's number. If yeah. I guess I guess if City had like a more reputable goal scorer, like a more prolific goal scorer, I could see them making it a closer game. But I guess you know. With the points you made, I guess I could see it going to now. Chelsea's just such a hard team to get in behind, and they're also a hard team to fight with on set pieces. So City's going to have to either pull something from deep or, uh, you know, hit a curler in. It, I find it hard for City to find a goal in this one. Yeah, it's going to need to be a moment of individual brilliance for sure. I really don't see us breaking them down like that. Is this an 11 o'clock game? I think so. Shout out to NBC uh, Sports, though, really quick, because that one game every weekend that used to be just on NBC, so if you don't have cable, you couldn't watch it, is now always on Peacock, and that's pretty awesome. Mitch, it's a 7.30 a.m. game, by the way. Why is this a 7.30 a.m. game? What are we doing? It's the early morning joint. Uh, I was. Now I'm going to have to get up early because I want to watch this game now. I'll come kick your door and I'll show up at six o'clock with, with eggs. City fans have too much going on at night. They have to get them in in the afternoon. That's facts. <laughs> Next game on the slate is Man United Villa. Uh, United looking to pick up a little steam. Villa's, you know, looking, looking to run on that three, no victory against Everton. Who do we have in this one, guys? I, I could easily see this being like a two, two draw. Like, just with the way that United's been playing lately and the way that, obviously, Villa have been playing over the last couple of weeks, I, th- I think it could end up being a draw. Uh, but my brain is also telling me that United is just going to win 3-1 and call it a day, move on to the following week. Yeah, it feels like a United win. Maybe not – I don't think they're going to, like, blow Villa out of the water or anything. But, yeah, I, I think 3-1 probably sounds like yeah. the correct score in my brain. The matchup for Tyrone Mings going against Ronaldo is not a favorable <laughs> one. No, it's a little tough. I, I rate Mings, but that's tough. Oh, bless his heart. Next one, Liverpool-Brentford. Mitch already kind of touched upon this. Yeah, Josh, I'll let you do the talking here. I think, I think Liverpool are going to win this. You know, they have some – well-rested players. Trent hasn't played in, in the two games here uh, this week. Uh, Robbo got a pretty nice rest. He played the last 20 minutes against Norwich. Van Dyke and Matip are rested. Allison rested. Uh, midfield, Tiago's going to be out. Kaita's probably going to be out. So you're probably looking at Henderson, um, Fabinho, maybe Kurt Jones. Uh, little rotation in the midfield. Uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain could slot in there as well. Did, and I then can't I can't remember. See, did Kurt did Curtis get subbed off yesterday? If he did, it was late on. It was very. It would have been very late on. I, I think I, he I, did come off. I when I think he. I think he came off when Hendo came on. If 
I mean, if Nabby's out and we obviously don't have Harvey, I mean, do we do we see um, do we see Curtis Jones get the start? I I, mean, I would like to. I would really, really like to see him get some more minutes under his belt, especially in the prem. Um, but that could be a question mark. It's a wild one, man. I saw on Instagram that was last night was his 50th cap. Isn't really? that insane? 50. Already? Already. I don't even know how. I guess I guess the title winning season, I mean, when Pep took over and uh, in all of our kind of smaller cup competitions, Curtis Jones pretty much started all of them. He played those. a lot in the Champions League last year, actually. Too. That too. That too. So, but, so last night, Kurt played a little bit in the six for, for quite a big portion of the game. I don't think he was as good in that position. With Fabinho in the team next to Henderson, who's going to be a little bit more box to box, I love Kurt in like the eight role, like really getting forward, putting shots on net. I think that's where he flourishes. Then I think you're, you're going to see Liverpool just go with that standard front three of Salah, uh, Mane, and Jota now. I think Firmino's still out. I don't even think he's back in training yet. Um, but, you know, they've all been pretty class. I mean, Liverpool's already had, I think, how many? Five, three, no victories? Yep. Uh, and five out of seven clean sheets. I mean, they just look tidy. And Van Dyke coming back in. I think there's a case for, for Van, D- Van Dyke to be player of the season at the end of the year, just because of the improvement you're going to see from Liverpool at the end of last year to the end of this year, where wherever they finish up, uh, he's just so important and he's been so good coming back into the team. And after Kanate playing two games in a row, I think you'll see Matip or Gomez slot in next to Van Dyke and it'll be a, a nice clean 2-0, 3-0 victory for Liverpool. I, uh, I, I hope that's true. Um, you know, I think with the two kind of lower tiered games, you know, giving the guys a rest that are normally in that starting 11 is big, but it's, it's one of those games against a team that hasn't proven themselves yet. They're four games in after 75 years. So it could be another one of those situations where you, you tactically make some different changes, move guys around the pitch, and, and maybe it ends up costing us a goal. But with the amount of clean sheets we've kept, the defensive ability that we've clearly displayed this year, I, I find it hard for Liverpool to drop points against Brentford. But again, it's it's like one of those games that's like you yeah. feel so confident about, and then you end up splitting. 1-1, one, one, Brent. 1-1. One, one. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> Going back to Spain, we have Real Madrid and Villarreal this weekend. That's a pretty big matchup. Uh, Villarreal won today, too, against Elche. I think 3-1 if I, or 4-1. I'm not sure what the scoreline actually finished up as. Um, I think Real Madrid will win this, but it's definitely a, a test. Yeah, I think Madrid are kind of rolling right now in Spain. They're starting to find their feet, like you mentioned earlier in the episode. Their defense is kind of finally starting to figure their shit out uh 2-0 Real Madrid 2-1 Real good looks uh to Italy not doing Fiorentina this week but we do have Inter and Atalanta big that's match. a fun one that, that is a, fun, a really one. fun game fun one um I think this could go really either way right now I think Atalanta definitely wants to improve on 
what they've been doing lately. Um, with a what they drew two two in the Champions League last week. I'm not sure what their result this past weekend was. Um, but I think I think this is a, a toss up game. Inter's looked strong to start the year as well, so it's going to be a competitive, tight one. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. top of the table clash, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's one, one Inter entered first, Atlanta in fourth. Uh, is it on points or goal differential? Uh, no. Inter. Oh, you said fourth. Three points. Yeah. Sorry. It's the Milan's that are top of the table right now. Yeah. Uh, Inter are humming though. They've already scored 18 goals. Napoli actually could be in first because they have a game in hand. Uh, Napoli's look sharp too. And that this goes to my argument that Syria, they're not the best league, but you have a hard time finding a league that's more competitive, especially this year with the Aventus kind of not really uh, kicking off. Yo, Juve and Fiorentia just swapped places. Yeah, Juventus got that uh, last late minute win thanks to a delit volley. Yeah, Juve, Juve are in 13th now, not Fiorentina, Mitch. Let's go. The boys in purple are buzzing. We missed an England game too, boys. On Sunday, we have Arsenal-Tottenham, North London Derby. Arsenal Ooh. win 4-0. I actually think Arsenal are going to sneak a win in this game. I do too. I, I, I don't think 4-0. Definitely not 4-0. That's audacious, but I think I'm, I'm saying 2-1 Arsenal, I think. I'm going 2-0 Tottenham. I uh, I'm gonna go one nil Arsenal. I think Arsenal have a very strong chance to to sneak three points here, especially after the way Tottenham has been looking to start the year. I mean, Speaking Arsenal, Arsenal, uh, Arsenal, Arsenal not looking great either. But well, I think yeah. I think coming off of the last week, they they're starting to gain a little bit of confidence, playing a little bit better. The new addition of Tomiyasu has been huge. Odegaard's been huge. So I think I think Arsenal have uh, you know some steam. I think they got some steam. Yeah, I, I think they're gonna. Like I said, I think they're gonna win. Um, I did just want to you know speaking of Arsenal, update on uh, Patio FC in the land of uh, fantasy. I accidentally captained Kieran Tierney last weekend. Atta boy. You got the same number of points as Salah, and you get double the points if you captain a player. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Missed out on 12 points this week because I forgot to change my team. You, Arsenal uh, have looked a little bit better. I think, like Mitch said, Tommy Yasu has been a huge improvement to their defense. But, you know, both of their last wins in the Premier League won nil victories. That Aubameyang one was kind of like right on the line. Odegaard from a set piece. Uh, the goals are still hard to come by. Uh, so I think, you know, Tottenham, I think they'll go into this game with a, a better game plan, almost like they had against Man City. Uh, and try to suffocate Arsenal a little bit more, and that's why I think they'll come out with the victory. And lastly, we have, uh, going back to Italy, Lazio-Roma. I think this one's a class uh, matchup. Lazio haven't started out as good as they would like, and it's a a big test for Roma kind of towards the top of the table. I think Roma come out on top. It's a spicy derby, and Mourinho loves to shithouse. I'm saying Roma win, and we get a Mourinho classic in the postgame. I want another Mourinho red. Mourinho's uh, just loving life in Rome, man. He's yeah, going he celebrating with players, eating pizza. I, he's just living his best life. He certainly is. And I think 
I think Roma have looked really strong to start the year. Tammy Abraham has been balling out in Italy. Um, so I, I think Roma have everything uh, in their arsenal to end up winning this game. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take them three two. Taking Roma three two. Oi. All right. All right, mister. Getting spicy. All right. Um, and that is our preview for the episode. Uh I'm like calling all mainstand listeners. Send us a DM of what you think about these games this weekend. We'll feature a couple of your messages on our uh, Instagram story. Let's see how many of you motherfuckers actually do it. Get to the end of the episode. There's bonus perks. Yeah, shoot us shoot us a DM. We'll share some stuff. We'll chat a little bit, and we'll uh, have some good back and forth. We'll put you on the Instagram story if it's a good conversation. Prehistoric banter. It was just banter. You guys got anything else to say? I want to chime in about the MLS real quick. Josh, of course you do. My Josh, boys in Minnesota got a big the three best points. Team. Big three points last weekend against the LA Galaxy. We have sucked lately. And when I say suck, I mean we have sucked. Fucking no over. goals to come by. But Reynoso back in the team, one of the best players in the MLS. Uh, Robin Lode back in the side. Our Finnish goal scoring um, robot. I think Minnesota United are going to be class if they have a healthy lineup at the end of the season. They have the last playoff spot in the West right now. Um, important thing is just to stay healthy. And at the end of the year, fire Adrian Heath, that blue Goodison shite immediately because he's awful. But they play Houston this weekend. I might go to that match. Might get in the Wonder Wall a little bit, mix it up. So big one, main stand fans, uh, tune in to some Minnesota football content. This there is going to be shots fired if the Revs and Minnesota end up having a fixture in the playoffs yeah is- minnesota's gonna get to the mls cup final to play the revs and that's yep. not happening yep you never know it's not the- yeah sure <laughs> yeah no they're adrian uh, heath versus bruce arena a matchup for the ages dude carlos Gil for the ballon d'or <laughs> gustavo bow's gonna win the european golden shoe he doesn't even play in europe give it to him anyway <laughs> The Revs are so fucking good. It's so much fun. I can't wait. I can't wait for playoffs to start so I can be at every single game and just be absolutely crazy. I want to. I, I need to be a member of the fort again. Oh, dude, I've missed the fort. I gotta. I gotta get in the mixer. Josh just lives next door to the fucking what is it? The aliens. Allianz. The Allianz. alien arena. The aliens. The aliens. Arena. The aliens. Uh, all right, guys. I think that about wraps up episode six here. Appreciate you for tuning in. If you got this far, like I said, shoot us a DM on Instagram with something you would like to chat about. Uh, if it's good enough, it'll hit the Instagram story. Maybe it'll even become a talking point for our next episode. Um, yeah. Let or us if know. you want to be a guest and get some yeah. banter in one of the episodes, chime in. If you want to come banter, come say what's up in the Instagram. Uh, we'll definitely be open in the having guests. And if you just got something you want to hear us talk about, drop that in there as well. And we'll try to work it into the next episode here. If, uh, if we enjoy it, you know, 
If you do um, chat shit in the DMs, I will embarrass you on our social media page. Yeah, because he'll tweet at you from two different accounts. <laughs> Double roast. Josh <laughs> loves overwhelming people with his burner. He just uses the the podcast is actually just Josh's burner account. It's just another way for him to banter people without putting his name out there. This is true. All right, guys. I think that about wraps up today. Uh, thanks for tuning in once again. Like, subscribe, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy, share it with your parents, your brother, your sister, play it in the car, play it on the radio, play it on your AirPods, play it everywhere. Um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Deuces. Peace.